WMNF Tampa. Welcome back to Midpoint Wednesday, your mid-morning, mid-Florida dose of news and public affairs from WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa Bay's independent community radio station, commercial-free, 24-7, brought to you by generous listeners just like you. I'm Shelley Reback, your host. Good afternoon. I come here today out of concern for the recent banning of Toni Morrison's classic book, The Bluest Eye, in particular, and the tide of ignorance sweeping our state and county in general. But how is it that that one mother thinks that she can keep all the children of all the other mothers from reading that or any book? What gives her the right? We hear parental choice and parent rights a lot these days, but which parents? Whose rights? As you know, over history, there have been many unjust laws I believe these new laws attacking our schools in the name name of freedom are unjust. I take this very seriously because my father was a 22-year-old soldier in World War II. And in May of 1945, he helped to liberate a concentration camp. He suffered from PTSD for the rest of his life because he witnessed the horrors of fascism. Before the Nazis burned people, they banned books. That was a Pinellas County parent speaking yesterday to the school board, which removed Toni Morrison's uh, The Bluest Eye from the 11th grade AP Lit curriculum, AP Literature curriculum. And today we're going to talk about the recent upsurge in book banning in our Florida schools. But before we get to what is happening in Florida education policy today, I'd like to remind you all how we got here and how Florida education policy got to be so insane. Uh, people keep it, people keep asking me, how is it that the governor gets to decide all these crazy things about how our schools should be run and what they can teach and what students can read and whether we can have AP African American history or teach black history at all? So to answer that, let's start with a little Florida political history. Jeb Bush, Florida's two-term Republican governor from 1998 to 2007, refused to raise taxes for education. Despite Florida's growth, our public schools couldn't always keep up. So private education companies, many run by cronies of Jeb Bush, looked at the Florida public schools as a goldmine of public money, if only they could get their hands on it with vouchers and charter schools. Prior to 2003, the Florida Commissioner of Education was a cabinet-level position in state government. It was directly elected by the people and responsible to the people for the education of Florida students. But in 2002, the Florida Constitution Revision Commission put an amendment before the voters to reduce the cabinet from six elected officials to three, and it was passed by the voters. So now we only elect our Commissioner of Agriculture, our CFO, and our Attorney General, while the Florida Department of Education became the overall responsibility of the governor. Now the Commissioner of Education and the Board of Education are all appointed by the governor and answer only to the governor. That gives the governor in Florida ultimate power over education policy in Florida today. Now, as it happens, our governor is de facto running for president right now, and his polls tell him 
that education is a profitable wedge issue that he can exploit to gain votes. And that's why we are seeing the governor's hand in every facet of education policy today. One of the governor's favorite ways of exploiting his power over education and rousing his political base is to ban things and to censor learning. He's banned critical race theory. He's banned any discussion of race which might make students uncomfortable. He's banned complete sexual health education, which includes gender expression. He's banned social-emotional learning in math. And with his Stop Woke campaign, he's been fomenting his supporters around the state to urge school boards and school superintendents to ban books. In county after county, we are seeing the DeSantis administration's parental rights and education laws being used to censor critically praised and award-winning books and literature from Florida school curricula and classrooms. Today, we are fortunate to have with us two activists who have taken on the unenviable responsibility of fighting back against the creeping fascism in Florida public schools and the banning of books. They've formed Florida Freedom to Read, a statewide organization of parents, students, and media specialists, teachers, and citizens, all concerned with opposing the book banning and curricula challenges that have become so widespread, all of a sudden it seems, but coincident with Ron DeSantis's revving up his presidential campaign. So in the studio with me today is Reagan Miller, a Pinellas County parent of a public school child and one of the regional leaders and director of development of Florida Freedom to Read. So welcome, Reagan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I, I'm happy to have you here. I guess I should say I'm happy to have you back because you joined us on Midpoint about a year or more ago to talk about the threat of book bans before they had really become as common as we are seeing now. Uh, and with us on the telephone is Jen Cousins, Director of Community Engagement for Florida Freedom to Read, who is based uh, in the Orlando, Central Florida region. And I'm happy to have you with us too, Jen. Just jump into the comments uh, that you have since I can't, I can't see you to bring you into the conversation. Are you with us? Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks. All right, so ladies, uh, tell me, how and why did Florida Freedom to Read start, and what are you seeing around the state now? Um, so Jen, you want to start with that? Yeah, um, we officially began um, back at the end of October in 2021 um, in Orange County when um, Moms for Liberty and a Proud Boy teamed up to go to a school board meeting and read passages from the book Gender Queer out of context. Um, which caused, you know, the reaction that you would expect. Um, and our district decided to ban the book without following their policy. Um, so in January 2022, we officially formed as an organization um, to combat the bans that we saw um, happening in Orange County. And it wound up exploding across the state because more districts were going after more bans than what we were just seeing alone in Orange County. All right, and um, this was pro was this prompted by or influenced by an organization called Moms for Liberty? And who who are Moms for Liberty? Somebody tell me that. Somebody step up, <laughs> Reagan. Um, so Moms for Liberty is an organization that was actually founded here in Florida, um, and 
I would say that their primary goal, though I, I try not to give them, you know, too much press, is, you know, they're exerting what they feel education should be and their parental rights and really focusing on what their rights are in education. And they do it under the guise of protecting children, um, which is really kind of making children see their view of the world and removing most other people's views from the world. Um, and they definitely have the, the ear of our governor. They're very, obviously, as I said, very active here in Florida as they were founded here in Florida. Um, and they they had a a campaign, I would say, in 2022 to really take over school boards and get as many of their people elected to school boards um, across the state as possible. And they were moderately successful at, at placing Moms for Liberty candidates across the state. Now, uh, they've been particularly active, I know, in Manatee County, too, for example. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of our listening area for WMNF. So I'd like to talk a little bit about Manatee County before we get back into what happened yesterday in Pinellas County. Uh, Jen, can you tell us what happened in Manatee County, what's been happening in Manatee County around the issue of book banning? Sure. Um, so... Uh in the middle of January, um, there's a State Board of Education meeting, and the Department of Education presented their new media specialist training um, to the board for them to accept, uh, which they did. And that sort of pulled the trigger on the message that is put in the training that if a media uh specialist or a librarian or teacher has a book that is found to be pornographic, age-inappropriate, or indoctrination in their collection, then they will be punished with a third-degree felony. Um, This also coincided with classroom libraries now being considered media, uh, media centers in schools. So every single teacher in every single school district who has a library in their classroom need to log their collection and have it vetted by the school's media specialist. Um, and some districts, not all districts, are responding in the same manner to this new rule. Um, so we saw something like in Manatee County where they took it to the extreme and they issued a directive to all teachers in K-12 through that they had to immediately cover or pack up their classroom libraries until such a time as they could be properly vetted by the media specialist. Um, and it, you know, it just, it came down in an overnight direction on a Thursday and by Friday morning, there's social media images of teachers, libraries completely blacked out. Um, and it happened during literacy week of all weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be, that seems to be the way they do things. To deliberately, yeah. <laughs> you know, make these kinds of restrictions during like no AP African American history during yeah, Black February. History Month, <laughs> uh, banning, uh, you know, transgender health initiatives during yeah. uh, Pride Month and mm-hmm. all kinds of, they, they do this deliberately, I think. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so this was this this initiative in Manatee County. This this rule that they made that teachers have to remove their classroom libraries until they can be vetted. Um, that was basically promulgated under the authority of the Parental Rights in Education Law, right? 
Um, well, it was down to 1467, um, which was the book banning bill, which is what led to the media specialist training having to be created. Um, the State Board of Education had passed a new rule late last year adding that it reclassified classroom libraries as media centers, um, as well as expanding it from uh, K to 3 to K to 12. Um, so effectively, the state wants to know, they, <laughs> they're trying to take control of K through 12 education, basically. Well, um, yeah, in many different ways. But I, yeah. I, I think this, the parental rights in education lies, the motivating, animating force for a lot of what is happening around yeah. uh, parental choice and parental influence over books and curricula and, and book banning and that, that kind of thing. But we had last week, we had national independent reporter and researcher Judd Legum um, on, on this show, and he pointed out that that law really only specifies application to classroom instruction. It doesn't even yeah. uh, specify anything about libraries at all. Correct. And the Florida DOE has been very lazy about making the clarification. They're just flat out not doing it. A lot of institutions are confusing how HB 1557 and 7 should be applied. Um, it is not applicable to self-selected reading, but they're blurring the lines even more by reclassifying the classroom libraries as media centers. All right. I think that's before. deliberate. That they want to they yeah. leave it vague so it can mean yeah. all things to any, anyone that they want to support, right? They were all written to be vague on purpose. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, okay. Um, if you'd like to join our conversation about book banning in Florida, give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org. You can text us at 813-430-885. And we already have a caller, so I'm going to bring in Chris from Clearwater. Uh, Chris, you're on the line. Hi, uh, good afternoon, good morning. Um, I just wanted to address the false allegations about African-American history being banned because it was only a pilot course that was scheduled to be uh, given to 60 schools across the nation, and uh, they would not even give credits until 2025 if it were to be approved. But it's, uh, if you average out to you know 60 among 50 states, at most Florida would have gotten two schools that would have had this available to them. And uh, it's really the leg. if you want to do something about it, I think uh, the legislature is where you would start if you want to repeal the Stop Woke Act. So depending, no matter who is elected the chief, or no matter whether the chief of Department of Education is elected or appointed, that they would still have to enforce the legislation of the Stop Woke Act. So, yeah, um, I think I, you make a good point, Chris. I think I think you make a good point. Uh, we have a I have several others. We have a we have a, uh, a supermajority of Republicans um, in the Florida legislature who are uh, responsive to, if not loyal to, our Republican governor. So uh, you know, it's easy to it, it seems appropriate to sort of treat them as a 
as a one single functioning unit because they do march in lockstep like that. There's very little uh, distance between the legislature and the governor and what the governor wants. And, uh, you know, as I was saying, I want to make clear that there's been no jeopardization of any existing in-place advanced placement African-American studies. And yesterday I saw that DeSantis was saying that they could go with IB, which is an abbreviation, or Cambridge, rather than the College Board, since they introduced their curriculum. And I encourage folks to read the syllabus. The, and you, you see that there's there are authors like uh, Eduardo Bonilla Silva, who says that if you're participating in a society that has racism, then you cannot help but be racist. And I think that our bigger issue, you know, with the wars and things going on is that the bankster gangsters are cleaning up as they have been the last two years. There are slavers. And to ignore your current slavery while you're trying to guilt trip your fellow debt slaves who are struggling as hard. And, you know, if you even if you do get reparations, you're still going to be a debt slave. And, you know, OK, you're getting into the weeds now, Chris. So I have another call. I'm going to I'm going to bring somebody else into the discussion. But I do thank you for for uh, your call and making those points. I do want to point out that um, that it's it doesn't have to be a law to ban African American AP courses. It's enough to chill uh, the teaching of some of these concepts that that follows from a law like stop woke that follows from you know the uh regulations that manatee teachers receive to remove all their classroom libraries under threat of felony prosecution you know this is this is ha- all has a chilling effect but also to add to his point when he talked about that it was available with um, Cambridge or IB, those are magnet programs that you have to uh, qualify to get into. Right. And AP classes are offered pretty widely at all of our high schools. And, you know, if a student excels in a certain subject, they can take that AP class. So those are more widely available to our students than Cambridge or um, IB, IB classes. Right, yeah. You, everybody can't just select Cambridge or IB classes right. and, and get into that. Okay, I have George from Ybor City on the line. George, you're on, you're on the air. Hi, I would just like to say that um, the books and the teaching, the, why can't we just teach history as it is? Why do you need to call it critical race theory? There's no such thing. There's plenty, why don't we just teach what happened? This is the problem in this country. When the Civil War ended, it never really ended. We never did it properly. What's wrong with real-life history? When you label something critical race theory, you just give Ron DeSantis a target. He loves that. You're <laughs> giving him a target to shoot at. He, if you just call it history, call it science. I don't understand. Aristotle invented science and critical thinking in 350 B.C., Yet today, half America is as dumb as a rock, and they, you know, what's going on with our history of our education? Education is a brand new thing. Humans have, a, had, have, have been stupid for 300,000 years. <laughs> All right. Education, look at the history of education. All right. Okay, George, I, I hear you. I think you, you okay. know, I get okay. your point. Uh, thank you for- Thank you for letting me rant. I'll hang up and take my answer. I th- I, I appreciate your call, though. Thanks, George. Um, so prior to the rant, George's point was simply that uh, why don't we just teach history? Why do we have to label it? 
uh, because that makes history into a target for DeSantis. Um, you know, George, I wish it was that simple. I really do. But I, I, I have to say that, you know, given Ron DeSantis's uh, desire to be president of the United States and the fact that these types of wedge issues really animate his base, um, it, whether you called it critical race theory or, you know, chocolate mint ice cream, I think that he would select the uh, the opportunity to try to influence education because it is a, it is such a, a a hot button issue among voters in his base. Um, you know this whole idea of parental choice, parental rights. Um, you know he's really weaponized that in the field of education, and no matter what you call it. You know, it, I think it would operate the same way. I would challenge George to see if critical race theory was offered in our schools. There was no course called critical race theory. History is what the courses were called, and that is what was being taught in our schools. That that became, you know, a term used by people with political motives. Well, all right. I, I want to turn some attention to this uh, Pinellas County situation now, too. Um, because that uh, that is very close to us here locally and because there's been a lot of activity over there. And I know, Reagan, you were very uh, involved in what has been happening in Pinellas County with, uh, with the banning of the book The Bluest Eye and other efforts to restrict access to certain uh, literature and materials in Pinellas County. Tell us what's happening over there. Sure. So we had one parent complain at one high school, um, and that was the only high school that was an AP 11th grade literature course that was offered, you know, that had this book as part of its curriculum. And one parent complained, and the book was removed from that curriculum um, for that particular school. And then our district took it a step further and made the decision to remove the book. Um, from all media centers in our district. Um, and this was based on complaints from, uh, put use quotes, concerned community members um, that this was violating the law. And this all goes back to what Jen was talking about, which is these, these laws, you know, HB 1557 and HB 7, and how they apply to um, library books. And so what our superintendent did was decide that um, to err on the side of caution, which we talked about the, the specialist training and told them to err on the side of caution and look for books, you know, um, that could be harmful to minors, you know, and, and also the other test that they used was if you read it out loud, would you feel comfortable reading this out loud? And so they, they looked at all of this training and they decided that they would remove the book for that reason, even though the parent never, they asked the parent if she wanted to officially file a complaint against this book. She did not. So they took the step and read through this training that was provided by the DOE and removed it across the entire district. So, so they did it even without any sort of official complaint by a parent? There was no complaint filed. And even, and even without the parent seeking to have the, this, their child opted out of, of this particular book in the curriculum? Correct. Yeah, because that is a, that is available to parents. Right, you an can, opt out procedure. That has right? always been you. That policy has been in place for a very long time. You have your parental rights. You can go in and ask for an alternate book. And even some of the speakers, we had several speakers come yesterday, and they were talking that there were times that teachers will actually act proactively seek out parents and say, "Hey, 
this book might be something that I'm worried about your child who's particularly sensitive. And in some cases, parents say yes. In some cases, parents say no. But that that right there is what parental rights are about, is having the option to decide. And this one parent took it away for the entire district. Wow. All right. I have AJ from Seminole. AJ, you're on the air. Are you with us, AJ from Seminole? Now. Okay. You're on the air. Okay. Um I'm confused about that word woke. I always have been. I don't understand because the opposite of woke is asleep. So I imagine our governor wants the population to be asleep. That's all I got to say. Okay, AJ. Thank you for that simple distillation of where our politics are in Florida today. Appreciate that. Um, A number of students, I think most of them from Palm Harbor University High School, their IB program um, showed up yesterday at the Pinellas County School Board to make their views known about the banning of the bluest eye and what the school board was attempting to do or doing, in fact, doing um, with regard to their curriculum. A number of them showed up, and I I have some clips of of some of their statements, and they're really impressive. I'm going to play one of them now. Character. And to help us to realize the flaws in our own society, not for arousal. It's not pornography. Secondly, there are three criteria that a book must meet in order to be considered harmful to minors and removed. Among these are that adults, the adult community, um, must find the material to be patently offensive to prevailing standards. This means that extremes should not be relied upon. In my personal view, um, communities who believe that our school systems are Marxist indoctrination camps qualify as extremes and therefore should not be relied upon. Finally, um, obviously we have discussed the literary merit and um, a book cannot be removed unless it is without serious literary, artistic, or political merit. Toni Morrison is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. That's not the case. It is also included within these guidelines that inclusion of books should be based on the interest of readers. Look around you, look how many of us are here today and think about how many of us are in their classes doing their due diligence to their academics, but supporting us from afar. There is interest here. That was a student who was using the points that were made in the Florida Department of Education library media training uh, to argue against the removal of the bluest eye. So that was interesting. Um, here's one more clip for another I from another student. As a tool for shaping our understanding of the world and helping us navigate complex social situations that may present themselves in life. I believe that the bluest eye is a work of literary significance that addresses important themes such as race, poverty, and trauma. As an immigrant and a proud citizen of the United States of America, I see the bluest eye as a narrative that uplifts the voice of marginalized individuals in the United States. You guys have been talking about the bluest eye and claiming that it is harmful to students. What's more harmful to students is not being allowed to read and not being able to gain knowledge of diverse cultural and global issues because we are not allowed to read. Having grown up in... All right, those were a couple clips from the Pinellas County School Board that met yesterday. Uh, That was not on the agenda, was it, Reagan? It was during the public comment section? Right, this was all public comment on the end. But our attorney did address the removal of this book, and so did our superintendent. They they addressed it about the, if you have a chance to go back and watch the whole meeting at about the hour mark, um, 
the school board attorney and the superintendent address why they removed it and all the all these students spoke at the very end so they were pretty impressive uh those students uh who spoke i was blown away each one i mean I wish that I wish that everybody could listen to each one of those kids and their words. And first, it will give you so much hope for the future. Um, but yeah, they they knew their stuff. They they came prepared and they made amazing points. Uh, we have a couple emails here from various people who want our listeners to understand that um, critical race theory is not even taught in high schools. And so, you know, the banning of it, it, it seems uh, like, you know, kind of a political stunt um, because it, it, it was never taught in, in, our, in our schools. Um, although we did also see that the governor and the Department of Education has banned social-emotional learning in math textbooks. And in fact, uh, Midpoint did a show about that with uh, you know an expert in the area of social emotional learning in the teaching of math about a I don't know maybe a year ago. Um, you can go back to the archives at wmnf.org/midpoint and find that show. It was really very interesting. Um, I've got to stop for a second and uh, and remind you, our listeners, that. Um, we have our pledge drive coming up beginning next week. So our next week's show, Midpoint Wednesday, will be a pledge drive show. WMNF is your community radio station, and this means that we are a nonprofit and we don't play commercials. And your programmers are volunteers. Um, we ask that you will help keep us commercial free and support your favorite shows like this one, I hope, by donating. You can even do it now. Uh, before the next pledge drive next week, on f- beginning on February 22nd, you can just click the tip jar at wmnf.org. And if you are so inclined, scroll down and direct your contribution to MPW, which is Midpoint Wednesday. And we would be very grateful if you think that um, what we're doing on this show is of value and you want to keep it here. Uh, that's the way you can tell the powers that be at WMNF. Um, that you want to keep midpoint on the air and uh, keep bringing you these these issues and these experts in this in this area. So, um, okay, going back to what has been happening in Pinellas County with regard to book banning, um, what was what was its place in the curricula in Pinellas County? This was an elective. It was used in one one class in one high school. It was in an AP eleventh grade literature course at Palm Harbor University high school. So that was the only place it had in literature. And then it was available in high school media centers throughout the county. Now, so is that the only book that's been affected in Pinellas County? Or is there a process that's ongoing where they're reviewing other literature, other uh, educational materials right now? And we're going to hear about this again. I I don't think this is the end. Um, They did reference that there will be um, some more discussion at a future workshop they mentioned this spring um, because they definitely said that they had the right to go back and review material and pull material because they said this is the law they have to follow the law Um, and then you know all of our media specialists have to be trained by July 1st with this new training that came out from the DOE and so all these classroom libraries are going to have to be vetted Um, and so I think that there will be books that will be pulled will they be officially banned I 
I don't think so. I think eventually there will just be an approved list and the teachers will allow, be allowed to have an approved list in their classroom. All right. Well, you're listening to WMNF Midpoint Wednesday. And with me in the studio, you've just been listening to Reagan Miller, who's a Pinellas County parent of a public school child and one of the regional leaders and director of development for Florida Freedom to Read. And she has been uh, following and doing a deep dive into what is happening and particularly in, in Pinellas County, uh, where... Um, where she's a parent, uh, about these book bans and book reviews and uh, the process that's ongoing there. So, uh, you know, if people are concerned about this, if people are unhappy with the removal of this particular book from the curricula, or if they're worried about where Pinellas County uh, school system is going to go in the future with regard to removing books from curricula or from their libraries, what, you know, what can they do? What should they do? Uh, there's a variety of things you can do. Obviously, you can attend school board meetings and speak, and I know that that's not, you know, that's not for everybody. Um, you can definitely send emails, express your concerns that way, um, board at pcsb.org. Or, you know, pay attention to what's happening in your own child's classroom if you are a parent and see which books are being removed and, you know, ask the questions and you can, you know, and you can help us identify where books are being removed and why. Ask to participate. You know, they'll have parents participate in these committees. As they go through a process, you'll see when a book is challenged, they have committees that form to review these books. So ask to be part of the process. Every step of the way, you know, your voice should be heard. Um, as as frequently and you know as you, as it can be. And if they want to join Florida Freedom to Read um, project, how would they do that? Um, so you can go to our website. We have a pledge that basically says that you will speak up, you know, at school board meetings, or you will, you know, be involved, be engaged, help us. That's I mean, that's how we we are watching school board meetings, Department of Education meetings. We're trying to watch them all. We. You know, Jen and I and Stefana cannot watch every single meeting, so we rely on people across the state to help us too and point us to things, you know, that we might have missed, although we're trying to watch a lot of them. So sign up, follow us on Twitter. I think that Twitter is our right now where we keep most of our information. If you're in Florida and you are very concerned, we do have a private um, Facebook group that you can join. You have you do have to answer the questions to get into our group. Um, and then we'll have we have a public facing Facebook page. Um, but our website's fftrp.org. All right. Um, you know, you mentioned something that I want to focus on right now. You talked about being engaged and getting involved and, you know, volunteering uh, your uh, resources and your, um, your time to work with the schools and the school boards um, to either review books or to sit on these committees because I, they're, they're now soliciting volunteers. And Jen, I'd like to turn to you for a second to go back to what's been happening in Manatee County. From what I understand, what we discussed last week with Judd Legum is in Manatee County, um, they removed all the classroom libraries and they said that they were 
removing them so that the books could be reviewed. They weren't necessarily removing them permanently. They were removing them so that the books could be reviewed um, and appropriate books could be then returned to the classrooms. But they realized that there were so many books that there weren't enough employees of the school system. There wasn't enough teacher time or admin time or media specialist time uh, built into the system to to actually succeed in reviewing all these books. And so they put a call out, as I understand it, to the community for people to sign up to be volunteer reviewers. And as a result, members of an organization called the Patriot Front, which is a really conservative right-wing organization, solicited their members in particular, to sign up as volunteer reviewers. They called themselves the Woke Busters, as I understand it. And they, they urged their members who, you know, ascribe to a particular conservative ideology to sign up to be Woke Busters and review these classroom books and make their views known on which were appropriate and which were inappropriate to be returned to the classroom. Um, can you give us any more information about that, Jen? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw their uh, their post, and that was entertaining. Um, so just to go back a little bit, it is a huge problem that most of the schools are completely understaffed to handle this task. Um, not all schools have media specialists, and it's only the media specialists that can approve books to stay in the classroom. So right there, you're creating what could be up to a year-long backlog for some schools and districts. Um, and we are, we already have a huge teacher shortage in Florida. Yeah. Thousands and Correct. thousands and thousands of unfilled positions in schools around the, school the state. With, yeah, we started the school year with a 9,000 teacher deficit. 9,000. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it hasn't gotten any better. There's still, you know, teachers are still leaving the profession throughout the course of this year just because of how bad these laws are making their profession. Um, so the people, the volunteers, they're not actually reviewing the books. What their job is, and, you know, the woke busters spun it, you know, their way, of course. But what the actual job of these volunteers to do is to log every book that's in the classroom library. They don't get a say in whether or not they find a book to be appropriate. Um, the only thing that needs to be done right now is to catalog every single book. And then that list goes to the media specialist or specialists if a school is lucky enough to have more than one. And it's their job then, the media specialist, to go through the list. If the books from a classroom library are already in the system because they already have a copy in the media center, those books are clear to go back into the classroom. If it's a book that is not already in the system and the teacher would like to keep it in their classroom, now the process is that the media specialist has to order the book for the school so that they can have a copy in the media center and then also have a copy for the teacher's room. Well, what, what, what if one of those woke busters in their process of cataloging objects to a particular book? They, I mean, they can file a formal, a formal challenge against the book if they want. You know, that's always been their right to do. Um, 
But we've also seen that these challenges are being acted upon without a formal process, without a formal... Some of them are, yes. You know. Without a doubt. And that's a huge problem in certain counties, especially counties where um, if a challenge comes in, they automatically remove the book from circulation. Um, Where I live in Orange County, that is not our process, as in other counties. Um, When you get a formal challenge in, the book remains on the shelf until it goes through every single level of review. Some counties, as soon as they get a review, they remove the book from circulation. Um, I mean, as soon as they get an objection. Right, and that's a huge problem. Yeah, that's what happened in Pinellas, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and what happened in Manatee is similar in the sense that um, it was the school, the school board or the school system itself that in, advance of, in advance of objections removed right. all the books from the classrooms. Well, right. It was admin making bad decisions and not communicating properly with school staff um, because then as I'm sure you saw in a proper school board meeting the following week, the district denied ever sending out the directive, even though we've all seen copies of the form specifically saying, turn yourselves around or cover them. Um, so it's all, it's all bad communication all around, and that's a huge problem as well. Well, now um, that they've been called out for it in Manatee County, have they, re- have they allowed teachers to return the books to their classrooms? Have they, now that they claim that they never really said that they all had to be removed, yeah. have teachers <laughs> been allowed to, to restore their classroom libraries? Where, where are we at now? They're allowed to uncover them, but you still can't. Children still can't access them. Oh, <laughs> you're the kidding. <laughs> no. So there's books sitting there, and if a kid, yeah. like, you can't, you they can't, can't read it. them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my it, gosh. Yeah. That's insane. It is. It's very insane. Um, what are they, those poor kids told? No, <laughs> don't touch. Stay away I mean, from the books. Yeah, stay, stay away <laughs> from the books. I mean, yeah. what kind of an educational atmosphere is that? If Florida is rapidly becoming incredibly hostile to children and education. Um, you know, it, it, a day doesn't go by lately where there isn't some bad policy or bad announcement from the governor that makes you think, oh, my God, I have to flee this state. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's a huge problem. Um, the, state, the schools have until May 31st to have all their classroom libraries scanned and vetted, or at least scanned, rather, sorry, not vetted yet, but they have to have everything scanned by May 31st. And what's interesting about that is that the DOE did not tell that to every district either. Um, They only relayed that information to some districts. They didn't send out a blank statement to all of them. So, for instance, in Orange County, we got that directive from them. Hillsborough did not. So, you know, once again, you've got the DOE specifically acting shady to help instill this fear in educators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so chilling uh, to teachers and media specialists. Um, I'm going to turn to some of these emails that have been collecting here. Um, Some of our listeners are quite passionate about this issue. I have uh, an email from Charles in Tampa who says, the only glimmer of hope in the state of education in Florida is how well-spoken and passionate those students were. The only positive takeaway from this is that they are getting a first-hand education about the dangers of ignorance 
violence, blind worship, and fascism. That's from Charles in Tampa. Charles, thank you for your comment. Appreciate it. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Dave says a simple solution would be to vote out the Republicans in charge of education in Florida. Um, okay, that's Dave's uh, political position. And, uh, and then we've got... Um, Another Charles from Palmetto who says, if you Google 15 of the most visited websites on the World Wide Web, three are porn sites. So school book banning by parents and culture warriors should be pushing the banning of Internet access by anyone under the age of 18 or, or 21. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many things that Florida should be focusing on other than these types of culture war issues and political wedge issues. But as I said, we have a governor who's running for president and, you know, that type of thing is what animates his base. And he's hoping to keep them hyped up, you know, until the next presidential election. Um, I have an email from Patrick uh, who says, it is ridiculous to ban books especially in the age of easy electronic access. When I was in high school in the 1960s, Catcher in the Rye was banned and was one of the most popular among my friends after that. Um, Patrick also wanted to comment on uh, the increase in Richard Corcoran's salary at New, Co New College overseeing all of 700 students. Um, yeah, I guess we should mention that. You know, so um, it's all of a piece what's been happening in education in Florida. And I'm sure our listeners have been following the news about what happened at New College, uh, uh, the Honors College of the Public University System in Florida. 700 uh, students, very, very liberal. Uh, many of the students are queer students or non-heterosexual students. You know, very, very liberal institution. And, of course, DeSantis has made it his business now to take over the administration of that school and install his crony, Richard Corcoran, the former Department of Education uh, commissioner there, and to uh, install uh, the majority of the members of the board of trustees who fired the existing president, um, a woman, a woman, and gave the position to Richard Corcoran, and promptly doubled his salary. <laughs> Wasn't that it? Yeah, no, they did. It, it's interesting when because I I asked a lot of questions about New College, and one of the things they told me was, "Well, it costs so much per student. That's why we're really looking at this because per student, it's I don't I can't remember the exact amount, but it's much less at Florida or Florida State, which of course it's going to be because those are much larger schools. And then immediately after they you know did all their press conferences. You know, DeSantis gets out there and says, oh, and I'm going to also give $15 million to New College. And then, you know, Richard Corcoran is making this salary, which completely negates their argument. And, and pay out a huge severance settlement to the right. woman president that they fired without cause. Right. And had to, you know, pay out this huge severance settlement to her. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really extraordinary, right. you know, what has been happening. And, you know, if you're a regular listener of Midpoint, you know that I, I've been saying over and over that if you watch what's happening in politics in Florida, particularly education politics, you know, you're basically looking at a, a rerun of Germany in 1932, 1933, because all of these things happened before in history, and we're seeing them play out again here. And, you know, to what extreme? 
seems it will go from here. We don't know. We don't know. But certainly it pays to be a student of history um, and, and to pay attention to the way things have gone in the past. So I have Jack from Dover on the line now. Jack, you're with us. What do you have to say? Good morning, Shelley. I just wanted to encourage your readers, um, the ones that enjoy watching PBS channels, to watch Masterpiece Theater. Um, one of the current ones is about Queen Victoria. And um, her husband, her young husband, when she first married, was from Germany. And the last episode, he went in front of Parliament with a freed black slave, uh, Mr. Brown, and spoke in front of Parliament about um, what a barbarous act of slavery was during her reign. And it's just, it's really exciting to see how other countries, you know, were growing and America seemed to be going backwards. Well, yeah, that's, you know, you're right. Uh, Britain uh, banned slavery before the United States ever did. They banned the slave trade, yeah, which was a so, huge moneymaker for them. I know that um, our, our laws are based um, in British law, and so I'm wondering if maybe someone from the school or the Department of Education, if they would be so willing um, is to demand, you know, that, that this book banding be reviewed by the courts of England, because <laughs> I think it would, it would be showed more favorably, and it is our right as, as a nation. All right. Well, thank you for your comments, Jack from Dover. We really appreciate you listening to Midpoint. We hope you'll support the show next week. And, um, you know, I appreciate you giving us that viewpoint. And, uh, you know, go look for that show on, on, on PBS. Um, Jeff has emailed me and asks that uh, some time ago I heard of a ban on Dr. Seuss books. Uh, where what's the stand on that? I think that was different. That, I think his publishing company stopped publishing some of those. That I don't believe that there was a ban. No, on, not that I'm aware of, Jen. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was at least a few years ago now, and I think that they were not even some of his more popular titles. It, yeah, that was more to do with the publisher. We don't currently, from the information that we have, um, we don't currently have any Dr. Seuss books that are under challenge or banned in Florida. Okay. All right. Well, um, so where are we going to go from here? Um, Jen, uh, down in Manatee County, should, you know, citizens who are concerned about the possibility of more books being banned or about the possibility of the woke busters, um, you know, taking over the um, control of, of the media specialist review of these books, you know, should they be joining these committees um, like the Patriot Front has called on its members to do. What should what what should people be doing down in Manatee County? Yeah, you should absolutely fill out the volunteer form for your district um, and be allowed to go into the classroom and help scan the book. Um, because you know, if you've got somebody from the Wokebusters in the same room, you can kind of look over their shoulder and see what they're doing. <laughs> um, they just put out the call in Orange County, my kids' elementary school, actually, in our newsletter. They're looking for people to come in and help scan the book. So I'm going to be heading over there to help them out with that. Um, you know, get involved with your district as much as you can. Um, even if you, um, you know, like Reagan had talked about earlier, going to school board meetings, even if you don't feel comfortable talking in front of the board, just being a body in the room makes a huge difference. Um, but definitely volunteer to go help your teachers out. Um, you know, it's any community member 
can go in and do it. As long as you're in the community, you can go in and do it. You just have to register with the district. Um, and, you know, write your school board. If you hear that books are being challenged and you don't agree with it, write to all of your school board members, write to the superintendent. Um, you know, if you're a taxpayer, you're a stakeholder. So they have, you, they have to listen to you. All right. Group, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. And Reagan, what about in Pinellas? What 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 are what should people do? Keep showing up. Um, show up at the school board meetings. You know, keep sending the emails. Um, help your teachers. Our teachers right now are facing a lot of scrutiny. Let them know that you're here to help them. And I I say this frequently. When I'm at a school, our parents love our teachers. We love our schools. And there's no way that I would drop my kids off if I thought that I was leaving them in a place filled with porn. <laughs> and I can guarantee you that nobody in the car line with me at the end of the day thinks that either. And so show your teachers that you know, you're on their side and you're here to support them. So I think that's a really important thing to do as well. All right. And, and before we close, I want to um, give people the information about Florida Freedom to Read Project again uh, in case they joined us later sure. in the show and how they can support you and your organization. Definitely check out our website, FFTRP. That's Florida Freedom to Read Project.org. Um, go to Twitter um, at FL Freedom Read or follow us on, we're, we're working on Facebook a little bit. We have a private group. Our public facing face is not as up to speed, but um, Twitter, you can DM us, you can email us. We will get those emails and respond to you. You can donate. There's T-shirts on, if you look at Twitter, it's the pin post with our T-shirts. Um, so you can support us that way too and show everybody else that you support us. I, I think another thing to do would be to talk to your kids about this, especially older kids, high school kids, like some of those kids who spoke at the Pinellas County School Board yesterday. You know, talk to your kids about these issues. They're, you know, coming out of high school, they're about to be adults, they're about to be voters. Uh, they need to be aware of why this is happening, what's happening, um, whether they agree with it or they don't agree with it. They're in a position to make their voices heard very soon. You know, they can register to vote in advance of mm -hmm. being old enough to vote. They have a pre-registration process in the high schools. Um, I think from age 16 on or something, mm -hmm. you can pre-register to vote. And it would be really important uh, to make sure that they are involved in the process as well. So Definitely. I want to thank my guests, Reagan Miller from Pinellas County and Jen Cousins from Orange County from the Florida Freedom to Read Project for being with us today to talk about book banning and what is happening in education policy in Florida. Um, I also want to uh, thank my volunteers here, Jessica Green and Barbara Fling, who help us make the show run smoothly. And uh, I want to remind our listeners that next week is our pledge drive because we are brought to you by you. Our listeners support us and we support you. It's a two-way street and we need you to stay on the air and uh, to remain commercial free 24-7. So if you appreciate the show, I would ask you to go to the tip jar at WMNF.org, make a donation, drop down, look at the drop down menu and direct your contribution to MPW. And we'll be back next week. So thank you and stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan. We are WMNF Tampa.